And welcome to Copy That, a show about creativity and, I guess, living the creative life. Who even knows? We can just throw a lot of stuff in there. My name is Dan Portnoy. Thanks for being here. And in 2012, I launched a book called The Nonprofit Narrative. Um, it did far beyond everything I ever thought. Uh, the, when I was getting started, I found out that books... Uh, actually sell 250 copies. That's the average. It's crazy. And so a lot of authors spend a huge amount of time putting together their book, getting their thoughts down, making it somewhat, you know, relatable. And then they launch this product into the world. Um, I did it at the time at the urging of a friend of mine, or well, he was my business coach at the time, um, Josh Kaufman. He's uh, written a whole bunch of fun books. But he encouraged me to do that because some of the work that I was doing at the time with um, some of my clients, which was like Union Rescue Mission, um, we were really changing the game and the way they raised money. And it was really super fun, to be very honest, especially looking back, it's it's uh, it's an especially fun, crazy time. Uh, well, anyway, I wrote a book about it, and basically it's, the, it's a framework to help nonprofits and people who work with nonprofits to tell a better story, specifically um, how they can use a January to December calendar and use the hero's journey as part of it. And it helps people raise money and kind of get their story down. Uh, because I don't really think with the book specifically, anything I was doing was magical or even new um, in a lot of ways. It was based on a lot of people who had come before me. Um, I kind of shook it up. That's about it. And it just works the way it's the way my brain works. And um, I put it out there and it's become this actually really great seller, which has been awesome. So this year, one of my goals was to do an update on the book itself and kind of go through everything. And part of me was really excited to dig back into it. Another part of me wasn't mostly because um, I, I didn't want to like George Lucas, my book, you know, constantly messing around with it. But, um, when I did get back into it, um, kind of re tooled the whole thing. I changed some massive, uh, chapters and how they work and, uh, kind of even the structure of the framework, mostly because, um, in the last several years, I've changed how I approach it. So I thought I would update that in the book as well. So as part of that, I thought it would be good to launch some bonus materials, uh, which are coming out there on my website at uh, the nonprofitnarrative.com or not, I'm sorry, nonprofitnarrative.com. Or you can just go to Portnoy Media, it's right on the homepage. So you don't have to worry about it. Uh, or there'll be a show note link. So don't even sweat that. Anyway, um, I created a workbook for it that hadn't been created before, and I included a whole bunch of interviews, transcriptions from some interviews I did with uh, five people that I selected who had got the book and I had seen firsthand the changes that happened um, as a result of that framework. So I thought it would be cool to share that interview with you. And so for the next couple of weeks, um, there'll be, yes, there will be an episode every week, uh, that there is uh, just talking about their process and what they did with it. And I thought it'd be cool for all of us to uh, listen in. So here's that. We're going to begin this week with a guy named Brad Voigt. And I will just tell you that Brad, as um, I didn't know him when this first launched, and um, it was very cool to meet him. And since then, we have a ton of mutual friends, which is really fun and just tells us that the world is a lot smaller than we think it is. So uh, with that, uh, check out Brad and uh, the nonprofit narrative. Uh, 
extra stuff. So thanks for listening. Tell us a little bit about who you are and um, and what you do. Yeah, my name is Brad Voigt, and I am the area director for Kansas City North Young Life, which Young Life is a global organization, and it's broken down into local areas. Um, and so I spend a, a large part of my time with volunteers. I'm the only staff person in my area. I'm the only paid staff member. So I oversee everything from recruiting to training fundraising, uh, marketing, and even working with uh, high school kids myself, which is part of the Young Life structure. So, Dang. That's a, yeah. that's a lot for one plate. You know, there's a lot of plates spinning around at any one time, so probably upwards of 20 or more that I have oh. to balance. So That's rough. That's rough. Way to go. Way to go. I man. do my best. I do my best. <laughs> Excellent. Well, so so tell me um, about, like, how did you first find the nonprofit narrative? Because we didn't know each other before the book yeah. uh, came out. That that literally, and then to find out we have so many common friends, and that was just absolutely hilarious. <laughs> but but to, um, yeah. yeah, so like you, I don't even know how, how that came about. Do you remember? You know, I was on Twitter one day and someone posted a tweet. I still don't remember who it was, but someone posted a tweet about this book being on sale for this one day for like 99 cents. Yeah. Yeah. And doing what I do and also historically part of what I've done is have struggled in the fundraising category for our local area. And so we were in a situation where I was already seeking a lot of counsel. And so I saw the book title and I was like, this is a no brainer. <laughs> so like I bought it and I think I read it in less than two days. Like I could not put it down. And what the funny part was, I think I looked you up on Twitter mm-hmm. and started following you. And I, I just assumed you were this you know, mega author. <laughs> <laughs> yes, me, um, Crichton, Grisham. Yep. <laughs> Stephen King. So I was I was so floored when I think I started to respond to things and you responded back and I was like, oh my gosh, this guy talks to people. <laughs> <laughs> go internet go. Yeah, but it was like it was so profound for me that I immediately became like an advocate. Like I just everybody I was like have you seen this book? Have you read this book? It was like everywhere I went, I was just like, we, we kind of hang out on the fringe all the time around this conversation, but here's someone who's like actually created a plan. So, so I'm pretty sure that's how our relationship started is that it was originally like a Twitter. Is there a bromance version of Twitter? Does that exist? Like, is there, I think, I think, (laughs) well, as soon as, but as soon as you were, in young life, I was like, oh, I've never met a jerk face in young life. <laughs> Everybody I know who's in young life is like cool. Yeah. Everybody I've uh, ever met. I appreciate that. <laughs> I hope that's true. Well, I think it, so, I think it is just because just of the nature of the work. Because the nature of the work is like, meet a whole bunch of people and they might be angry at you. Okay. Welcome to teen <laughs> world. You're like, oh, geez. Uh, so you got to be kind of like chill and cool. Uh, just generally yeah. speaking anyway. Um, so that's, so that's, uh, my experience at least with young life. 
Yeah, yeah. There's uh, I will joke with people a lot of the fact that there's no one on my payroll. So the only a lot of times for the young life staff person, the only investment they have is relational equity. Mm. Uh, and so maintaining that can both be it can be life giving, but at the same time, it can also be very tiring. Oh, no doubt. And, I can only imagine. Yeah. So and we take the same relational stance, um, like showing up in the world of kids. We believe that also to be true in our fundraising, that we would do the same thing with adults who are supporting what we do is that we would show up in their world and earn the right with them relationally uh, and not be just an organization that occasionally asks for money, but that we would actually have relationships with those people. So it's a lot of relational management. Yeah, I imagine. So when you first got this book and you started, was there anything that you just decided to like institute right away? I mean, how, how did your program change and your fundraising mm -hmm. as a result of coming into contact with these principles? Oh my gosh, so much. Um, one of the things that immediately struck me is that we ha – I, I had never – I have to say I because I'm the only staff person to say we as a cop-out. I had never really given the thought about what narrative are we putting into our community about what we do. And as I was thinking about our communication strategy, one of the things that jumped out at me was that we were doing a very generic – one size fits all form of communication about what we did. And the book opened my eyes to, we have different, really three different levels of audience that I would say. And then the one is the parent uh, that may have a kid in a situation where they wish they had an advocate to come alongside them and would walk with them as parents. That was one party that I thought there's a narrative there in a sense of the hero's journey for parents. There's one for the alumni, someone who's been involved in what we do, has moved into adulthood, and really values the way Young Life shaped their high school experience. So that was another one. And then the last one was the community member, the person who really does just love kids and what high schools bring to our community. And so right away I was like, reframed the way we communicated and what was I doing to spark the why for each of those audiences. Excellent. Wow. And so how did it, how did it work out? Oh man, it's been so good. Um, I think one of the things I really struggled with that was another point in the book that just hit me like a ton of bricks was your quote uh, on tension and in the book, you say tension is the element element of storytelling. You need to communicate well in the midst of your organization's crisis moment. Tension draws the audience into experience. And that was really our narrative. We were in financial crisis at the time that I picked up the book. And I oh, wow. discovered I, w I wasn't being transparent to anyone. I was all rainbows, all... You know, like everything was great. You know, the storm, what storm? Like we just, oh, I was wow. trying to live there because I, I assumed that's what people wanted to give to, that people wanted to support something that was constantly positive. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that's, that's so a good point. Once I discovered like we had these three groups of raving fans, 
but I wasn't in no way as the leader was I being transparent to them, not only the struggles we were having in organization, but even the negative or hard things that were happening in the lives of kids. When we started communicating that, it, you know, it was really interesting. I remember like our email opening rate jumped. <laughs> I think I shared with you that like a 18 month window, like our giving increased, I think around $20,000 which was huge for us just because that sense of, um, again, each one of those audience members now had a place to participate mm. and the thing they were passionate about because I was making it look like we didn't have any issues, which didn't give them a place to participate in the story. Mm. So by being more clear on these are our challenges, it just meant people stepped into those challenges because – they were passionate about those things. Right. There was space for them to to imagine themselves helping. Yes, absolutely. Excellent. I've been really influenced by a local nonprofit called the Global Orphan uh, Ministry and just uh, what they do overseas, but also domestically. Sitting with their founder and they do a what they call their key donor circle, which they put their operating expense uh, really into this small group of people who are so passionate about what they do. That way, every dollar above that goes directly to work with orphans across the world. And what your book did for me is I started paying real close attention to like open rates, um, who was looking and reading and clicking and replying. And the biggest game changer was taking what we learned through your book and then activating it into a small group of people who now fund our operating expense to pretty much 95%. No way. 95. Yeah, is a, yeah, is a, is a small group of people. And now, again, our budget's smaller. And again, I'm the only staff person. So uh, Global Orphan's much bigger. And I think they're at like plus 80 families now who help cover their you know multi-million budget. It was really those two things came together and our financial experience is in a totally different place because of really those methods. The way we started communicating helped us identify the people who were most interested, which then we started challenging those people, this bigger vision. Well, really our why in the book is you talk about so often, you know, we kept saying if this group of people would – hundred percent cover what we need in operating think about all the additional things we could do so that's been huge for us it's been a total game changer oh that's so good that sounds like a huge amount of takeaways are you doing like active kpis and key performance indicators and keeping track of that or or is it just by feel because if you're not you know i'm not a fan of like do more work just to do more work so is it is it just kind of a an extra piece in your relationship management kind of like in your brain or, or are you like yeah. writing stuff down? Yeah, no, there's, so on a yearly scale, I, and I talked about those three audiences we have earlier to me, those are, those are new. Those are the new audiences we're trying to interact with those people who are, who are maybe, maybe somewhat unfamiliar. That's one strategy that I'm tracking in a sense of like, um, definitely like email rates open, how many people are we adding to our lists, what's our consistency in communication. And then I'm going through each of those three um, audiences and making sure that at least twice a year we're giving those people the why they should be involved in Young Life or why they should be given a Young Life or 
why they should be saying positive things in the community about Young Life. Then I also have the side strategy for that group of 30 families who are like all in, you know, what's our strategy to them, which is let's pull back the curtain even more. Like let's, how do we almost make this thing like family and what should they know that maybe the larger audience doesn't necessarily need to know? Um, and we, we even cap it off. We now have an annual event, which we call our kid event, which stands for a key investor dinner. Um, oh, cool. So you have your like your gold circle bunch. Yes. Yes, exactly. And it's really like family dinner. What's funny is we used to do these big formal fundraising banquets and I kicked it to the curb because we were never seeing – the kind of fruit out of it that we needed. People wouldn't just show up and write big checks. Oh and yeah. So, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Like <laughs> we're going to spend $60,000 on this lunch. And I'm like, how much does it make? And they're like $30,000. I'm like, that doesn't sound like a good event guys. Yeah. And so really what happens at these, at this event is like we have them come in and we don't actually share anything. We have them share what they see young life doing in our community. And it's like, it's like fire every time. Like as soon as it's done, people are like, you know, they're ready to go when they leave that room. Um, so it's, it's our attempt to not just control the narrative from our standpoint as organization, or I should say my point as the area director, but instead I'm trying to value their passions. And they, again, like your book has said, the organization is a hero, but also every team member is on the hero's journey. Right. So where are we making space for that? Right. Totally. That's great. Yeah. So that, that's I mean, so that's good. all really a big product of <laughs> reading your book and it putting us down a path of, and plus I really appreciated just your strategy of like, here's how you should be thinking about your end and, you know, the timeline was so helpful because I just never thought about when is the right time and character development and, mm-hmm. you know, all those great things that are in your book. It's just we had never talked about it in those type of in terms, at least. Sure. So, well, that's that's fantastic. And so now you're you're able to do a lot more because you're not you're I mean, you're not stressed out like like you were, I, I assume. No, <laughs> on the financial um, front, because that is—I no. mean, that's that's literally the the toughest part. I mean, how many how many people do we know? I, I know so many people in nonprofits that are just like, I spend so much time doing fundraising, I don't feel like I'm getting to the actual work. And so you've, yeah. you've solved a lot of that. Oh, absolutely. Um, in the sense of being concerned about, like, am I going to have a job? <laughs> are we going to keep? this local area afloat. Like I don't really have those thoughts. Um, I think being able to better communicate a narrative made me a better fundraiser. Uh, In those moments where I did have to sit one-on-one with a donor who had the ability to give, uh, the book taught me in those moments, I need to do less talking and let them do more talking about, what they're passionate about and their why for being invested in what we do. And then, you know, that led to just asking bigger, not in a way that was like inappropriate or 
even necessarily scary for me. Like one donor I sat down and he gave us a tremendous gift recently that's fueling all kinds of stuff. And I, I just know he's passionate about this high school. And I said, we're not there and this is what it would take. And I just, at the end of the meeting, I said, man, I just want to know what do you think would be appropriate to ask you for? <laughs> Look at um, you, bam. Yeah, and because knowing what he's passionate about. And like three months later, he brought me into his office and wrote a check I never thought I'd see. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was so encouraging because it was giving his passion some place to go. And he felt called. And it was his opportunity to be the hero in the story of kids. And now granted he's done it all anonymously. <laughs> like sure, he doesn't that's want not the point. Cause that's right. That's his point is he feels better about it interior. And that's, that's more than fine. Yeah. Yes. So I would say I've probably become a better area director altogether in my job of not seeing myself. I used to think that, uh, I don't know, maybe in good uh, story, narrative, movie, what kind of title this is, but I really did think I was the one to like push. I was the one to create the narrative. Mm -hmm. And I've now stepped back and paid more attention to what narrative is already happening mm -hmm. and how do we as an organization participate in that. Oh, that's a good takeaway right there. Yeah, and it's made us a healthier organization because we're able to partner with more people. We're able to partner with our school district because our agenda is not more important than their agenda. It's together or the local church or, you know, whatever it may be. I feel like we're in a healthier place to link arms and be a community for kids versus just trying to be about our thing. Right. Because really, our thing was my thing. It right, really, yes. So you're not it, the center of the universe anymore. Yes, yes, exactly. And the book forced me to step back a little bit and be like, oh, yeah, like if a grandma wants to volunteer two hours a month and make a meal for kids, that's her participation in her journey. Right. And we should make room for that. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, I was just like, okay, who can write me a check for 10K? Right. Yeah, that does limit a lot of people. Brad, that is that is super great. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure we cover? I would say one more thing about the book that I really appreciated is the simplification. I often felt so overwhelmed as a one staff member nonprofit of just trying to figure out how would I do everything. And when you start in the book discussing about website and making it singular in a sense of communication that like all your communication kind of funnels to this one place where a story's kept and held and it's there and it's visible. And that was just like a total relief to me because I thought I had to be a marketing expert. I thought I had to know how to like run every form of social media and connect with everybody and be all the things and send thousands of emails I thought that was the way out. But when I got into the book and you were like, hey, you know, let's bring this to a singular place. I was like, oh, that's so life giving <laughs> <laughs> and time giving, too. Yeah, that that I can manage. I can manage. Do we communicate well in this one place? And then everything else just points back to it.
that was um and it was a quote in particular uh, that you have that says emailing more is not your problem. <laughs> Cultivating a community is your problem. That was like slap me sideways. Like, <laughs> <laughs> cause that's how I felt. I assumed I wasn't doing enough. Uh-huh. And instead in the book, I learned I just didn't really have a good strategy. Wow. That's so good. So that would be my last thing to add into it that why I recommend the book, especially to so many young life staff who are in a similar situation, because we often read things that are just like, well, just do more. And I felt right. like this book was instead <laughs> like laser focused. <laughs> just hit the gas more. Just go oh, faster. Yeah. Yeah. And I was watching in our in our line of what we do, like I see turnover all the time. Because it's hard to shut it down. And instead, this empowered me. I was like, this is fantastic. I can spend an hour a week and do these things and be thoughtful and communicate in an appropriate way where I'm not hiding the hard stuff. It's a lot of that hard stuff that gets people fired up and wants to get them involved. So now that's what I do. I just sit down and I go, what do I need to be honest about? That's so good, Brad. I'm I'm like super encouraged by this phone call. It's like <laughs> it's, it's neat. It's really good. Yeah. It's well, really I, good. and you know, like from a data point, we made a swing. Oh gosh, I mean, when I think about the dollars turned since that time, we're probably. I mean, I'm like I'm in the hundreds range. Like when I think about the money raised since the book probably we've seen yeah i mean we went from being chronically always a month in deficit to currently we're almost a full year ahead oh wow fiscally yeah pretty pretty remarkable and and i don't want to make that sound like overnight that was over probably six years i would think but like we just kept getting healthier and better and learning to engage those people who are really passionate. You know, so we were probably it was probably three years after reading the book for the first time that we created the key donor circle of ours. Yeah. Because um, it probably took me that long to kind of diagnose like who's really in. It takes some time. That's the other part that I, I really like about it. It wasn't like you read this book and everything just went amazing right away. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, no, it, it took work. And then, you know, it's a, a year process to start getting different footing and then moving from there. And yes. it's just, that's exciting. And and maybe I should add, too. And, you know, it'd be interesting to walk back through and try to think. I feel like the book certainly had an impact on this. When I learned to empower other people on their journey, as the book talked about in the hero's journey, like our retainment as an organization has been, I mean, we're six years later. I haven't lost a single one of those key donors. Wow. Um, Every one of those key donors has not only kept with us, I think every one of them has increased by no less than probably 10% 10% in their annual giving. Um, and even with our volunteers who hang out with kids, um, the book impacted that. And 
you know, do I do I share their story and am I applauding them for what they volunteer to do and do I help communicate their heroes and I mean, our, again, our retainment and it <laughs> then when I really think about it, a lot of it goes back to the timing of the book. Mm. Really? How so? Yeah, I'm. Well, I just, I, I just think I was burning, you know, like I was failing and I was really lost in that. I, you can do in the nonprofit realm, so many great things in the lives of people, but when you're financially suffering, yeah. Oh man, it can just, it's a, it can feel like a cloud that moves in. And again, everyone else can experience the sun, but you're kind of trapped in the shadow of this feeling of failure. And so Again, I think I saw myself as needing to manipulate and move and direct so much. And it was the book that made me take the focus off. You know, I wasn't, I don't want to say suffering because people suffer through far worse things. Sure. Um, but we're, but we're in not a comparison. Sense, right, right. Comparison. But it, it, the book did make me step outside myself and go there's something already happening here there's i'm a part of something i'm not the source of this something and ever since changing the narrative in how i communicate you know like i meet with donors now and i'm like and i get to share stories of kids having massive life change and i'm like I want to make sure we leave that meeting. And I'm like, you're doing this. This is your fault. <laughs> yeah. So like, this That's is fine. what you're, this is what you're doing. I always communicate that to people, whether it be individual or as a group, it's like, you all are doing this. You're making this impact. You guys are heroes. And I think I've just become more grateful in the process. Cause it's taught me to look around and be like, man, I'm surrounded by great people. And this isn't about my success or failure. This is about me recognizing the great things other people are doing. And that's this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Big thanks to Brad. Isn't he great? Holy crud, right? He's so good. Uh, well, it's uh, that time. We'll see you next week. Uh, we'll be talking with... Naima, and she'll be telling us all about her interaction with the book and what she did. It's actually pretty crazy. Um, isn't it sad how my interview skills are basically just me reacting? It's just really, I don't know. It's one of those things that I'm not really proud of. How about that? Anyway, I hope you have a great week and uh, uh, keep on trucking and keep being creative. Don't get yourself down. Be kind to yourself. All right, have a great week. On behalf of the cast of thousands, my name's Dan Portnoy. Have a great one and be safe.